Um, this is a special time of year. Uh, it's Thanksgiving. Uh, we're coming off the heels of Thanksgiving. Like Savannah said, you know, some of us may kind of have this still food coma. Uh, maybe you just overindulged maybe this past week with family and with friends and with turkey and with pumpkin pie and all of those different things that make this week, make this time of year very special. Um, this past week, I had the opportunity to travel back to Texas, where a good part of my family still lives. I grew up in Houston, and uh, we ventured back to the Houston area this week, and it was a great experience. My wife and my two boys, I've got two boys, Braxton, who is with me this morning, he's 13, and my youngest son is Nash, and he's 10, and so we all got in the plane. It was a very exciting trip. We went back to Texas, and what basically ensued over the next few days, we were there about a week, um, was really mass chaos, okay? And it's controlled chaos because what we had is we had about 14, bit, 14 family members uh, living under the same roof for a week, okay? And so now you can understand a little bit more how you can pray for me uh, because I've survived that and the exciting times are happening now with our family as we're getting ready for Christmas. And while we were in Texas this past week, we're hanging out with a lot of the family members, and really what was really cool about this particular week was there were uh, six kids amongst these 14, I believe. There's, yeah, about six kids, and they range from 14 years old all the way down to almost two, all right? So you can imagine that there was chaos, there was loud uh, activities going on really around the clock the entire week that we were there, but one of the things that really was exciting for me uh, just to kind of sit back and soak up was the conversations that sometimes happen between kids, right, that range between 2 and 14 years old. And one of the conversations that began to happen over the course of the week was, what do you want for Christmas, right? It's a question that I think every kid probably wrestles with, and sometimes they make lists, and they write down the things that they want. And so we started having this conversation with the kids and the family last week and really, it was kind of fun just to kind of hear the different things that they had on their list. And it ranged really from very practical things. Hey, I need a new pair of shoes. I need some new socks. I need a new pair of jeans. Things that a lot of times the kids don't really want to put on the list, but they need to be on the list, right? As parents, we know what they need more than they do. And so we kind of prod and we kind of help them say, hey, don't you need maybe a new pair of shoes I can see your toes through those shoes. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, that'd probably be good, too. But what's really neat for me is to sit back and just really tell them as kids saying, make a list. Put whatever you want on that list. It can be as long as you want it to be. Put everything you want on that list and really give them no uh, parameters. And when we did that, it was neat to kind of hear the two-year-old and the three-year-old you know, I want a puppy, I want a rabbit, I want a pool, you know, all these different things. And, and what, what it really got me thinking about was, uh, what do I want? And you might be thinking, well, that's pretty selfish of you to think, okay, what do you want, right? It's for the kids, Christmas is about what you want for Christmas. But, but, but bear with me for a second, because really through this process, it really kind of honed my heart back into some things that God has been teaching me recently, and it's what do I want? And not necessarily what do I want, but what do I want for my kids? Okay, because when we ask this question for them, what do you want? Add it to the list. Whatever your heart desires, add it to the list. And man, there's nothing that can be wrong about your list. Whatever you might have in your mind, put it on the list and let's talk about it. 
And it really kind of got me thinking, okay, what do I want? But not, not what do I want for me, but what do I want for my kids? And as an adult, as a father now, as I'm getting older, as you can see uh, some gray hairs in my beard, as which I've been noticing over the last few weeks that has been scary to me, but as I've gotten older, I start to realize that some things that I want for my kids, some of those things may change as they get older, but there's some things that I've wanted for my kids from day one. And as a father, there are things that I'm going to always pray for my kids. And really, uh, when I met with Brian a few weeks ago and we talked through this weekend, what I wanted to, to let him know is that I wanted just to share with you guys as a church family what I want for you as well. Because as I began to think through and pray through the things that I want for my kids, and I began to understand and pray through and understand more clearly what I wanted for you guys as my church family, the, the lists were very similar. And, and, and for, for a father's perspective, we want a lot of things for our kids, right? I want nothing but the best for my kids. But one of the things that I want more than anything is I want my boys to have courage. I want to have them to have courage. I want them to be courageous men. And when I put them to bed, when I tuck them into bed at night, one of the things I pray for them is that I pray that they would have boldness, that they would have courage to do what is right. And there's a lot of things that I could pray for them. There's a lot of things that I could pray for you as a church family. But one of the things that I think is just the really base of and the foundation of all the other virtues is courage. Because you can have love. Now, some of you might think, well, don't you want your kids to love? Wouldn't you think that would be maybe the top of the list? Now, don't, now, don't get me wrong. That is part of my list. I do want them to be loving. I want them to be kind. But here's the thing. You can, be, you can have love, but if you don't have courage, you're not going to ever act on that love, right? You're not going to ever express that love. I want my kids to know the truth. I want them to be uh, familiar with the truth. Well, Without courage, they may know the truth, but they may never speak truth and stand up for what's right. And I want them to know justice, and I want them to love justice. I want them to see things that are in the world that may be not right, that they need to be involved in changing. So justice is one of those things that I want them to have, but without courage, they won't do anything about it. And so you can kind of see that, that courage is one of these uh, base virtues that really everything else is kind of built on. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to unpack this idea of courage for you guys because you might be here this morning thinking, you know what, I'm really facing a different situation in my life that I've never really felt or faced before, and I don't really know how to proceed. And if you've ever been in a situation where I've been recently where you've kind of been um, froze up, maybe with fear, maybe not really knowing what to do next, maybe you're kind of coming to a crossroad in your life and you're thinking, Man, I, I really don't know which way to go. I don't know how to act on this. You need courage. And so one of the things that I want to encourage you guys with this morning is this idea of what courage might look like. And so I think it's important as we start this morning to define what courage is. So here's the definition of courage. This is Webster's Dictionary, and this is the definition of courage. Courage is the strength to venture, persevere, and withstand danger fear, or difficulty, okay? I want us to kind of start with this working definition because I think a lot of us might have different ideas or different definitions of courage, and it really ranges as to where you are in your life. Now, some of you might have had the courage 
this past week to go shopping on Good Friday or on, on Black Friday, okay? And that is courage, okay? Because I've done it before, and that is a dangerous thing, okay? Uh, I've seen YouTube clips. You may have seen them as well where people are just like stampeding stores, and it's really ironic. You know, you spend Thursday really thankful for the things that we already have, and then Friday we're out there just like running people over, for the things that we don't have, right? And so, you know, for you, it might be, you know what, I got up Friday morning and, uh, you know, Black Friday or Thursday night late, and that's courage. But I want us to talk about some things this morning that are going to take a little bit more courage to step out and that are going to be game changers for you. See, the bottom line is courage is all about action. See, when I pray for my boys, I want them to be men of courage, I want them to have this quality in their life that they're going to see some things that may not be right and they're going to want to step up and they're going to want to change it. They're going to see people that, that may be being bullied at school or maybe being treated wrong at school and they're going to be, have the boldness and the courage to step up and to do something about it. And I know that they're going to one day be men and they're going to one day lead their families and they're going to have different uh, difficult situations that they might have to really pray through and they're going to have to have courage to lead their families. And so courage, to me, is a huge part of growing up. And even as I'm getting older myself, it's a big part of who I am as well. I don't have it yet fully, but it's one of those things that daily God is beginning to instill in my life more and more. I read this story. It's found in 1 Samuel. It's a story that you've probably heard and read through and been taught many, many times uh, in your life. But I want us to kind of hone in on it again this morning because as I was reading through this recently, uh, something new and fresh jumped out at to me. And, and it, isn't it really neat how when you begin to kind of read through God's word, uh, you may have heard a story, you may have heard a pastor preach on it many, many times before, but as you're really spending time in God's word, maybe something new and fresh jumps out at you. That's neat, isn't it? Because the word of God is living and active, it says in scripture. Well, the story in 1 Samuel is the story of David and Goliath. And it's a story that you've probably heard many times before, where David is much smaller, much younger than Goliath. And Goliath is the intimidating factor, right? And it says in Scripture that for 40 days in a row, Goliath comes out and he begins to taunt the enemy, begins to make fun of them. It says, is anybody going to be man enough, have the courage enough to step up and to come face me? And to make a long story short, you probably know the story of David and Goliath, right? But I want us to hone in on one of the passages that jumped out at me as being fresh. Look what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 48. It says, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran. Now, if the story ended right there, then David would have gone down as probably one of the biggest cowards in history right? And that the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran. Now, I don't know about you, but I've faced obstacles in my life where I've tucked tail and ran, and I haven't had the courage. And David is here face to face with his enemy, Goliath, who's much bigger, much stronger, more trained in this battle that he's about to face. And it would have been really understandable if David had turned and ran. But that's not where the story ends. That's where the story really begins to kind of get fun and gets interesting and gets exciting because look what it says as the verse continues on. It says, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David 
ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. I love this verse. If you've ever read this story before and you've missed this part, don't miss it. Underline it, circle it, whatever you need to do. But David ran quickly toward the battle line. See, not only was he ready, not only was he prepared for this battle, but he aggressively ran to his opposition. He had the courage that we know where it came from. David knew where it came from, but his enemy didn't. And you can understand that Goliath was probably taken a little bit back on this, is that he was thinking, okay, who's this guy who is not even wearing armor, who's much smaller than me? Uh, this must be a joke. And then all of a sudden, he starts running at Goliath, okay? Um, I don't know about you, but, but man, it takes courage to run into a dangerous situation, right? And that's what David is doing. He said, you know what? I'm going to run to the battle line. And I love that because it shows that he is aggressive. And you know, when I used to read this story, I used to think that, that, that David had this fearless courage, right? That he was just didn't have any fear at all. And, and as I've gotten older, I really, I think I feel like I, I understand this passage a little bit better, that I don't know if it was necessarily that David was fearless, okay? I think he probably had a lot of courage, but I think he was also a little bit afraid too. Let's be honest. David was much smaller, much younger. He wasn't probably as trained like Goliath was, but he had confidence and he had the courage for this battle. But I, I would imagine that if you were to put David on the lie detector test, he'd probably say that he was probably a little bit afraid as well. But you know what? Isn't that what courage is? When you have a little bit of fear in your heart, maybe it's a business adventure that you're like, man, you know what? I know this is right. I need to step out in faith and do this. But man, there's a little bit of fear. And I think David may have had a little bit of that fear in his heart, but I used to think that this was a fearless courage that David had. Now that I'm starting to understand things a little bit better, I don't know if that's necessarily the case here. I think David was courageous. But here's the thing about courage. Courage is not void of fear, but it's full of assurance. Because there's a big difference here. See, courage is not void of fear. But it's full of assurance. See, David understood something that his enemies didn't. That he understood that he had been in a situation like this before. And he had seen God provide for him before, protect him before. He understood God's word and he understood God's provision and protection. He had been there before. Was he a little bit afraid? I'm sure he probably was. But his assurance was greater than his fear. See, courage is not necessarily being without fear. It's being full of assurance. And if you rewind a little bit in this passage, in this story of David and Goliath, you see 1 Samuel 17, 34, you see where David sees, or we see where David gets his assurance. Read with me what it says in verses 34 through 37. It says, but David said to Saul, see Saul was talking to David and really kind of saying, Hey, man, you're overmatched here. Let me give you some of my armor. He's like, man, I don't need your armor. It's going to weigh me down. Let me just go out there and battle uh, Goliath on my own because I know that my, my power is not from myself. It's from God. But here's what he says. Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. David is basically telling Saul, hey, man, let me just kind of tell you uh, where I'm coming from. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, 
I went after it. Okay, underline that, circle that. It kind of goes back to where we see David a little bit further into the story where he runs to the battle line to fight, to, to fight Goliath, right? Well, it says that when he saw a bear or a lion, he went after it, struck it down, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Now, David was a stud. Let me just go ahead and tell you this, all right? This was a small shepherd boy. Saul's like, man, are you sure you're going to be okay? Are you sure you know what you're getting into? He's like, Saul, let me go ahead and tell you what I've been through. Let me tell you what I've, where I'm coming from. He's like, I'm a shepherd boy. Yes, that may be true. But let me tell you where God has provided for me, protected for me. And he says, when a bear or a lion has come to me, he said he went after it. And then when it turned on him, it says it seized it by his hair and struck it down and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This, uh, this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. See, David had assurance. He had been there before. He was prepared. And I think a lot of times when we read the story of David and Goliath, we think that, man, this little poor shepherd boy just steps in front of Goliath, and all of a sudden he has this supernatural ability to overtake Goliath. And yes, okay, yes, all of it goes back to the source in which God provides David. But David had the assurance that, hey, man, I've done this before, and I can do it again. See, another incredible example of courage is found in the story in the life of Joshua. If you got your Bible, I want you to flip over there too because I think it's another great story that we're going to look at briefly about this story of Joshua and his leadership. But before we jump into that, one of the things that I want you to understand about David is that he understood one important thing when he faced Goliath. He wasn't alone. Sure, he might have been standing there alone in, in body and all of his friends were behind him and all of his enemy might have been in front of him. Him and Goliath, it wasn't just him and Goliath. God was with him each step of the way. And let me encourage you with something this morning. It's Romans 8.31. And this might be a game changer for you. As you're dealing with maybe some difficult decisions, maybe to have courage in a particular area of your life, let me just go ahead and encourage you with this. Romans 8.31 says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? One of the most powerful passages in all of Scripture. If God is for us, then who can be against us? See, God is for you. God wants you to be victorious. He wants you to have courage. And he's on your side. Just like he was with David many years ago, it wasn't just David against Goliath. David was standing there in assurance that God was with him. And if God is with us, who can stand against us? Who can be against us? See, I love the song that we sang right before I came up to, to speak this morning. God is with us. God is for us. No one can stand between us. Do we really believe that this morning? If we do, then we should live a courageous life, right? If we really truly believe that God is with us and God is for us, then really we should be the most courageous people on the planet. 
Because it's not just us against our fears, it's us and God against our fears. And when that matchup is there, nothing can stand between us. And we see this again in the story of Joshua. And if you got your Bible, we're going to look briefly at this. Joshua 1, verses 1 through 6, we see that Joshua is thrust into leadership that I'm not sure if he was quite ready for, to be honest with you. He's following one of the greatest leaders of all time, Moses. We know that Moses, what he had done, what he had accomplished as a great leader, and now all of a sudden they're about to embark on the promised land that God had promised them. And, but, but if you know the story a little bit, you backtrack and read a little bit, you know that he knew that Moses wasn't going to be the one to take him into the promised land. And so you see in Joshua chapter 1, the changing of the guard, the passing of the baton from one great leader to another person who is about to step into his time, his place as a leader. And I can imagine if I was Joshua, he would probably have some doubts. He probably lacked a little bit of courage at this time. Look what it says in verses 1 through 6. After the death of Moses... The servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I am about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Circle that, underline that, promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon. Uh, Lebanon and from the great river of the Euphrates and the Hittite county, or country, into the Mediterranean Sea to the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Let me just pause right there and let that sink in. What God is telling Joshua says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. What God is telling Joshua here is saying this, just like I've been with Moses, I'm going to be with you. Just like I promised this land, I'm giving you the ability to lead these people to be strong and to be courageous because I'm going to be with you each step of the way. And he gives them a couple of promises so that no one will be able to stand against you. And no one will be able to defeat you because I'm never going to leave you and I'm never going to forsake you. See, those are the promises that God gives to Joshua, he gave them to David, and he's giving those to us today. Is that he's going to always be with you. He's going to fight for you. But the coolest thing is, when we have God on our side, when he says in Romans 8.31, says, when God is for us, who can stand against us? The greatest thing is, we know how the story ends, don't we? So we don't have to fight for victory. We have the opportunity, the privilege to fight from a different perspective. We get to fight from victory, not for victory. There's a big difference. The victory has already been won. So that should give us courage. That should give us some energy, right, to fight for the things that we know are already going to be there because God promises them to us. See, courage is leaning on God's promises. 
See, courage is all about just leaning on God's promises, that he's going to watch over you, he's going to protect you, and he's got you each step of the way. So the question here, the big question, the most important question in the morning is, how do you get this type of courage that is modeled for us in the life of David, that's modeled for us in the life of Joshua, that we read about in Scripture, that we sometimes read and think, Man, those guys were heroes. Those guys were like giants of the faith, man. There's no way that I could ever match up to that. How do we, have, how do we obtain that kind of courage? Well, it's easier than you may think. But it's also very difficult. It's very easy, but it's not at the same time. So we draw near to God who gives us the courage. See, the key to all of this is that when we draw near to God, he gives us the courage. He gives us the ability to stand with boldness and to stand with confidence and to stand with the strength that is beyond our own ability. But the key to this is that we have to draw close to the God who provides it. Only God can truly provide the courage that we need. See, in first. In Joshua 1, 7 through 9, we kind of pick up the story again where God is talking to Joshua and he gives Joshua the secret to how to do this. It says, be strong and very courageous. There's that phrase again, be strong and very courageous. Be, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. The key to the courage that we've talked about this morning is drawing near to God. And how do we do that? It's clear. What God tells Joshua is don't neglect the word of God that I've given you. Are you drawing close to God? Are you reading his word? Are you drawing close to him in prayer? Are you trying to do life on your own? See, I've been in situations in my life where I feel like, you know what, I've got this, God. Let me handle this. If you'll just handle other areas of my life, I can handle this. But I begin to neglect my time with God and I get away from his word and I begin to lose the power source of my courage. Romans 15, 13 says this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of of the Holy Spirit. I saw an illustration this week that I want to share with you this morning as we wrap up our time together. It's something that's so simple but yet so powerful as a reminder that I think in life we go through life and we have our life that seems to be going well and all of a sudden, when we go through life, there's difficulties that may come, and we don't really anticipate them. We don't account for them. 
and what begins to be a perfect, clean life, and everything's on track because we begin to kind of do things our own way, all of a sudden some difficulties happen in life, and we begin to turn blue. We kind of get down on ourselves, and we begin to understand that, hey, life is hard, right? And all of a sudden what was pure and what was clean and what was right all of a sudden becomes cloudy, and it's confusing, and we lack the courage. We lack the strength. And just like I pray for my boys to be men of courage, we begin to kind of doubt the source of this courage. And when I read this passage in Romans 15, 13, it says, May the God of hope fill you, fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. See, God is our source. David knew this early in his life and in his ministry. David knew that he could not stand before Goliath and have a shot I have a prayer in this world to defeat Goliath if it weren't for the fact that God was with him. That was his source. And Joshua was the same way, stepping in to a leadership role that he probably wasn't ready for, to, to, to step in and follow after Moses. But time and time again, God said, be strong and courageous. Don't neglect my word. Know it. Meditate on it. Memorize it. Understand the source because when you understand the source and he begins to pour into you, you begin to understand that those worries that are in your life, the things that were in your life that were weighing you down, begin to kind of really kind of fade off into the distance when his life and his love just begins to pour into you and you begin to overflow with his peace and with his strength and with his courage. And all of a sudden, what was once cloudy and confusing all of a sudden begins to be clearer again because his life begins to flow into yours and he is the source of your courage. He is the source of your strength. And the coolest thing about this illustration is that God never runs out. His source is always flowing. And Romans 8, 15, 13 says, may that overflow with hope. So my prayer for you this morning is very simple. That you would overflow with the courage that only God can give. To be a courageous husband or courageous wife or, or son or daughter or student or athlete, whatever it is, whatever God has you, wherever he has placed you to understand that God is the source of that courage. And that if God is with us, no one can stand against us. Let's pray this morning. And as you bow your head, as you close your eyes, I want to encourage you this morning just to take a quick minute to have a real honest conversation with God. To have a real honest conversation with a God who loves you, who created you, who wants what's best for you. And just like I pray for my kids to have courage Understand and know that the God who created you, he's your father and he loves you and he wants you to be courageous as well. And let those words that he spoke to Joshua many years ago, let those words sink into you today. Be strong and very courageous. Have the assurance that he is with you. Lean on his promises that he is with you.
But all of that has to happen when we draw close to him. John 15 is a great chapter. I'd encourage you guys to go back and read it today. It's all about drawing near to God. He is the vine, we are the branches. Apart from him, we can do nothing. But the flip side of that is a powerful thing. That with him, we can do all things. God, thanks so much for this morning. Thank you for this church. Thank you that they are a church for the community, that they love others. And God, I pray a special blessing over them today that they would be people of courage and strength, that they would stand for what's right, that they would see things that might be injustice, that they would stand against it, and they would fight for it, the truth. God, help us to understand that it's about assurance that you're with us. Help us to lean on your promises. God, thank you that you'll never leave us or forsake us. Help us to draw close to you. In your name I pray. Amen.